0: Please turn in your New Testaments to Colossians 4, 7 through 18. Colossians 4, 7 through 18. We are finishing the book of Colossians, Christ filled living. It has been quite a journey. I have loved it. And we come to this section of the book, the final 11 verses that in some Bibles has a little um, title over it, Final Greetings. You know, you you read the incredibly lofty heights of of majesty and grace in Colossians, and uh, you maybe get a little let down with the last chapter, final greetings. Some people just skip over it. They see all these names, there's eleven names here and all these practical instructions. After all, we have to remember that what is now the word of God is the is a letter that was read to from Paul to the church in Colossae and He's doing a lot of housekeeping things and, and some practical instructions. And yet this final greeting section is just as much the Word of God as the twenty third Psalm. It's just as much the Word of God as John three sixteen. In fact, Second Corinthians, excuse me, Second Timothy three sixteen says all scripture is God breathed and useful and profitable. So what is the message for us as we finish the book of Colossians? What is the message for us this morning that God wants to convey about final greetings? It's actually a message that people in the 21st century desperately need to hear. Here it is. Ministry is people and relationships matter. That's what it is. Ministry is people. And relationships matter. I want to read the text to you. These 11 names and all the the stuff that Paul wants to get done and say. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, sends his greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. He's in prison. Grace be with you. The question is, who are these people? And why do they matter? (laughs) Well, we know at least three of them Uh, We, many of us would know Mark. He is the author of the second gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, He is the cousin of Barnabas. We know Luke, who's also in this list. He is the author of the third gospel. Some of you may know Onesimus. Onesimus is the subject of the book of Philemon. Little book. Philemon is one of the leaders in the church of Colossae. So all this book of Philemon kind of comes out of what Paul is saying to, to the Colossians. Onesimus was a runaway slave that belonged to Philemon. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But who are these other people? 8 minus 3 equals 11 names that are not familiar to us. And I tell you, these names appear in Holy Scripture for no other reason than Paul loved them and did ministry with them that they dreamed kingdom dreams together, that they joined hands and joined hearts, they had deep friendships around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, you think about it, from the almost Himalayan mountain peaks of eloquence and and beauty where we started in Colossians with the supremacy of Christ, that that He is the image of the unseen God, and and that all things hold together together in Christ, the, the supremacy, and we were like, man, if, if Christ can hold it all together, he can, he can run my life. He can lead the church. I, I'm very assured by that. And we get to the sufficiency of His death, and all of our sins are forgiven through the fact that He died for us. And then we get to that practical section that we enjoyed about how Paul applies the gospel to marriage and parenting and work in evangelism. And it all comes down to tell Archippus, hi? (laughs) Yeah, it does. It does. The final greeting section is important because it reminds us that that ministry is people and that relationships matter. I want you to think about the, the truth or untruth of this statement. That the quality of your life is largely determined by the quality of your relationships. Do you think that's true or not true? If it's true, tune in. Because I think that maybe more than any other time in human history, people in 2012, and I've seen this in 27 years of pastoring, going back to student pastorate days, are just kind of losing a sense of connection with family with one another, with church and, and, and other institutions uh, in our culture. Really, over the last five decades, there's been kind of an encroaching and growing shift from a focus on community and group and relationship to focus on the individual. And what happens is, is that that focus from group toward individual happens. We find ourselves more isolated. So interesting, isn't it? To be with more people, rub shoulders with more people and and know fewer of them. Know them well. To have fewer close friends in, in the many people that we know in the busy bustling of our lives and in the isolation we feel because the individual is exalted more than the group. And look, when we don't have relationships, we can't pursue the kingdom of God as a team sport. That's where the fun is, you see. Paul's not just relating names. He's relating friends. He's relating passion. He's relating purpose, and frankly, he's relating joy in ministry. You know, we, we see this in so many ways uh, in our society. Uh, even in the architectural changes over the last 50 years, we see this. Back in my grandmother's day. Uh, they used to, and I have one of these by the way. They used to have these things. Most every house had this thing called a front porch. Not a back porch, a front porch. And I suppose in the South, the front porch was see, so you, you know, you didn't have air conditioning. That was a great moment for Southerners when they discovered that. Um, but I suppose you get out into the cooler night air, you had your ceiling fans going on the porch, and you know, everybody went out to their front porch or. They went and visited people on other front porches. In fact, it was just expected that after dinner you'd either be out or you'd be visiting somebody who was out. Do you know one of the lost cultural relics of the last 50 years is people would go out and, and let's say you, you were just kind of going to see somebody and they weren't home. They weren't on the front porch. You knocked on the door. They weren't uh, in their house. And so you had these cards printed up. They kind of look like what we call business cards today. You left them, you know, in a little special place on the porch just to let people know, I really wanted to be with you tonight. I really wanted to to have some time with you. And you weren't here. Does anybody know what those cards were called? Thank you. Calling cards. How many of you have calling cards? You do? Wow! I I won't won't call call out a name, name, but I'm very proud of somebody in the church. Uh, actually has calling cards. No, we don't have calling cards anymore. And we don't really have a lot of front porches anymore. No, the front porch has given way to the back deck. Surrounded by an 8-foot, 10-foot, or 12-foot privacy fence. I mean, it's got everything but a moat, a drawbridge, and razor wire (laughs) to say to people that might want to be with you, I want to be alone. I'm stressed out, and I don't want you or your card. (laughs) Well, think about, even today, what you can do without ever having to leave your house. I mean, people went to restaurants years ago, but you know they they really didn't like we do. Uh, If you've looked at the, the numbers of the percentage of income uh, over the last 15 years, of, and by the way, I, I love restaurants, so this isn't sinful or anything, I'm just, it's just a fact. Uh, the number of percentage of income that Americans spend on other people cooking for them in a restaurant, it is really something that's just been a burgeoning industry. I know even when I was growing up, we didn't quite go out to eat you know, as much as, as you do today, but um, you, you used to have to go to this thing called the grocery store. And uh, you'd see people there, and you'd come home, and, and you'd cook your food. And, you know, you don't have to do that anymore. You can order out. You can have pretty much what you want delivered. You can have groceries delivered. You don't have to go outside anymore to eat. You don't have to go to the theater, or as we used to call it, the picture show. You don't have to go out and be with people at the picture show. No, we got our own home theaters with surround sound. We have brought... The, the, the theater into our house. It's very convenient. It's very easy. Uh, we watch movies at home. Again, it's not simple, but you, there's just one more step removed. You don't have to go to the gym. No, you can call 1-800-WONDER-GYM or whatever it is You know that uh, that you're going to, and they'll, they'll deliver that puppy right to your door or have somebody come in and set it up in and, and your special little place where you can exercise all alone. Uh, you don't have to go to the mall. You don't have to go to To Renaissance, you don't have to go across here or there. You can do all the shopping you want online in your bunny slippers with a cup of coffee if you like. It's amazing if you think about it. You don't even have to date. You can date online if you're single. It's incredible what we can do. Now, I want to make a promise to you as we're moving toward this new building that we're looking at. We're not quite sure what it all looks like, blah, blah, blah. But I will make a promise to you right here and right now. It will have an area, a, uh, a larger area, actually, where we can all be together around our meetings and our events. I mean, look, if you stop in that place after this service and when there's not two football games, it's even worse. But when you, you stop in that little place, it's dangerous to stop in the North. X just like, keep it moving, buddy, or you're just going to get knocked down. We're going to have this opportunity. You can bring a sack lunch if you want to, and we'll stay with you, and we're going to have the opportunity. It's kind of like going back to something older, because really we need to touch one another. So, is this just some 50-year-old guy pining for Leave it to Beaver days? I I mean, what is this? No, it is not. All I'm pointing out is that the Apostle Paul, as busy as he was... And as, quote, important as he was, was a man very rich in relationships. Deep in relationships that were about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knew people. He loved people. Final greeting speaks to our, this great need in our lives to have meaningful, ongoing relationships. Ministry means people but, you know, it's more than just just making a connection. Um, we tend to find ourselves in lots of places on sidelines or, you know, in, in different places where we're thrown with people. That's good. I mean, that, those are intersections of life and culture. But sometimes where we're thrown here and there, we're really not with people that we can develop deep relationships today. Um, it's just kind of s- symptomatic, of our choices and the choices being foisted upon us from a thousand different angles, all of which are better than we ever had to choose from before. But this is about sharing ministry together. This is about something higher than us. This is about a dream that we share and a life that we live with people. This is about a kind of purpose that brings joy and connection with heaven itself, This is about something eternal that invades our lives and that is very, very meaningful. You know, the book really doesn't end with the words, Tell Archippus High. Uh, Actually, if you'll look at verse 17, it ends with these words, Tell Archippus, quote, See to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. Archippus, my friend, God has given you ministry. Tell him. This is about ministry. He's my friend. Tell him this. So, I want to briefly look at the um, FOPs, Friends of Paul, uh, in the final greetings. Uh, First is Tychicus in verse 7. A dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord... I'm sending him to express all that's going on. We learn that Tychicus is the person that was close enough to Paul and entrusted and by Paul enough to actually carry the letter of Colossians to the Colossians and to the Laodiceans and maybe even some other churches in what's called the Lycus Valley. It's about 10 miles downstream that Laodicea was from Colossae. So this is a pretty important person. We find out in the book of Ephesians, he's the guy who carried the, the letter to the Ephesians as well. So you know there's a, there's a deep connection and a deep trust there. A few years after this, he would kind of, of take the place, if you will, of Titus, who's kind of like Timothy, really in Paul's inner circle of those people. Tychicus becomes more and more of a go-to person as well as a friend in ministry for Paul. And then there's Onesimus. Tychicus and Onesimus are kind of spoken about together. Onesimus and Tychimus, Tych- uh, Tychicus had uh, had this difference, though. Tychicus was a free man and Onesimus was a slave. Onesimus had run away from Colossae. He had run away from from Philemon. And Paul realizes that that Onesimus knows and loves Jesus. And Paul kind of hangs on to Onesimus. You know, Paul's in prison. Onesimus, the slave, becomes, quote, a dear brother. You see that? He's a dear brother. In fact, in the book of Philemon, if you read that, he says, look, I'm going to send him back, but only if you treat him like a dear brother. You lost a slave. You gained a brother. And we don't treat people that way. In our text... He says, they, they and on- They will tell you how we're doing here. Onesimus, the slave, has the floor to relate out of this relationship with Paul all that's going on in Rome. Aristarchus. Aristarchus, the one who is in prison with Paul, he was always there. We read about Aristarchus in other places. I mean, he is always ministering to Paul. He's kind of that friend that just... Just keeps coming with mercy and help and I mean he is you you got a friend like that in your life, it doesn't matter where you are, what's going on, they're not letting go of you. They're gonna they're going to serve and they're going to help you. If you have a friend like, like Aristarchus, you're very blessed. In fact, Aristarchus, just right there, you know, next to Paul. He was with Paul in Ephesus in the midst of a riot. He got beat up. You get beat up for Jesus with somebody, that kind of draws you close. In the book of Acts, we read that when Paul was shipwrecked on his way to Rome, Aristarchus was shipwrecked with Paul. These things draw us close. And then there is Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And a little bad thing happened with Mark. Some of you may know about it. Mark went on the first missionary journey with Paul. Mark kind of tubed out. And he, he left Paul. Paul was livid came time to go on the second missionary journey paul said no mark can't trust him not taking him barnabas you know paul and barnabas were the, the two primary people barnabas was uh mark's uncle and barnabas said paul i'll tell you what you take your people that way i'll take mark this way and barnabas the son of encouragement just restored Mark, And we find out later in Paul's life and Mark's life that Paul and Mark have gotten back together. He says in 2 Timothy 4 that he's useful to me. And now he's saying, Hey, look, I'm, I'm sending him. And, and, and in, in, in the NIV it has in parentheses and you already have instructions from me that if he comes to welcome him. We all know nothing about jesus also known or called justice it's the only time we read about jesus called justice um what we read in verse 11 is he brought comfort to paul and then there's epaphras very important person epaphras heard paul preaching the gospel he was from Colossae. he went back to Colossae, he preached the gospel the colossian church began because epaphras heard the gospel from paul went home and the power of the gospel just, people started coming to Christ. And there's this church, so Epaphras. The reason Paul has a relationship with the Colossians is because of Epaphras. He says of Epaphras, you know, um, he is your prayer warrior. He, he, he was the guy that started the church. And you read in our text that he's just continually praying for you. He, he wants you to have this wonderful experience of the truth and grace of God and maturity. And then there's Luke, whom we find out in this passage is a doctor, very dear to Paul. And in the book of Acts, you can learn more about that relationship. And then there's Demas. Demas was very close to Paul. Demas was with Paul for a long, long time. And what's interesting about Paul also talking about Demas as his friend is Demas is like the Benedict Arnold of Paul's friends. We read that um, in Second Timothy 4:10, that Demas loved the world too much. Demas loved himself and he turned on Paul, but at this time, they were very close. Isn't it interesting that somebody who's going to become a traitor to Paul, Paul's just putting his heart out there. You know, Paul, that's what you got to do with relationships, don't you? You just risk it, you love, you open up, even though he's going to be betrayed. And then there's Archippus. Some people believe he was Philemon's son. Some people believe he was the actual pastor at the church in Colossae at this time. Paul tells him to complete the work that he's given in the Lord. And then there's that last person, Nympha, that's not in Colossae. Nympha is a lady in Laodicea, and the church meets in her home. This is incredibly significant that in the midst of all these people... Um, Think about it, Um, all these folks and slave owners and slaves, and now a woman is mentioned, and they're all friends of Paul. They are all significant, equally really, in the gospel ministry. You never talked about women in Roman culture like that. They were always beneath. And yet, Paul is saying, make sure you say hello to Nympha. The church meets in her home. She's my friend, just like Epaphras. Just like Luke the doctor. Just like the others. All these names. People who love the kingdom of God. And people who love this type A person named Paul. I learned a very important truth when I was about 20 years old that changed my life. I came to know Christ when I was 19 and a half. And my friends in high school and my friends in the two years that I can barely remember at college. You know what? To this day, I'm not in touch with many of those people. But when I came to Christ and I began to meet people who loved Christ, when I began to meet people whose lives wasn't just about them, but about what God wanted to do through them and what we as a group could do, it radically transformed the way I saw friendships. I mean, look, we're in, the, in a ministry and we believed that we were going to, quote, win the world to Jesus Christ in this generation. Boy, that's something to give your life to, isn't it? there well, it's been a generation. It didn't happen. But I'm going to tell you, those are the people that went deep into my heart because it was the gospel. Those are the people who have forgiven me and loved me in spite of me because they know what it is to be loved by Jesus. And they have learned to love. Those are the people that when I am an old, old man will still be in my life. It's what likeness actually looks like. Ministry is not an option for Christians. This is the life that God blesses. God wants you to have friendships. He wants you to have friendships with all kinds of people, by the way. But He wants you to have friendships that surround the purpose of what He is doing on planet Earth right now. I will build my church. Now, I learned another important truth that is that Paul speaks about in this text, really. And this took me a little longer to, to learn. I was a young preacher... And, uh, and I learned something by being in a church. And here it is. And, and this has to do with, with being a pastor. I learned it's not about the pastor. That's hard for me to learn. It's not about the pastor. You know what it is? It's about God and His people. It's not about the pastor. Um, preachers tend to be remembered for their tenures in churches at various times. Those were the so-and-so years and all this other stuff. But I am, the older I get, amazed at how comparatively little preachers actually do to advance the kingdom of God. Oh, don't get me wrong, we preach. Don't get me wrong, we teach. We equip, we lead, we counsel. I'm not trying to trash preachers at all. All I'm, trying, all I'm trying to say is that the kingdom of God doesn't move through preachers. It is the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, called out of the world, out of the values of the world, out of what the world says that we need for our lives to be okay, and into church, into kingdom, into purpose. That's who God is moving. I will build my church, my body, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you get down to it, you, and I'm just one of you, you are the primary way that God is moving the gospel and moving His kingdom in this church. You are the ones who teach children Sunday school. You are the ones who invite people to hear about the gospel and to, and to move toward relationship with believing people from all the places of intersection in your life, you are the ones who serve in the Wednesday night serving line, not me. You are the ones who serve in the nursery. You teach, you pray, you give. You are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this area of Mississippi. And it is beautiful. And I have the privilege of being a believer like you and leading. You see, for Paul, ministry is people. Paul's in jail. He's writing from and to the people who are actually getting it done on the ground, he's celebrating shared ministry. He is celebrating gifts being used. He is celebrating different kinds of leadership, different kinds of service, and the power of ecclesia, the power of the church, called out for this purpose, to be a redeemed community reaching out. And is there not, is there not a huge fulfillment in accomplishing something eternal together? Life's got to be bigger than you or me. Or it's boring. And is there not such meaning about friendships that center on mutual love in Christ? You know, we have a built-in need by God to contribute and to belong. It's not just belonging. There are lots of things you can belong to. We need a sense of belonging. Don't get me wrong. But we also were created to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We need to contribute. We need purpose in our life that is beyond ourselves and beyond this time and this place. But we also need to belong. We don't just need to be doing stuff. We need to do it with people. When we were 43 years old, it hit us. It's not just what you do. It's who you do it with. As well. Jesus spoke to this. I'd like for you to turn to Matthew 12, 46. Jesus called those who joined him in ministry, his family. You see, there's there's that connection, there's that love, there's that purpose. He called him his family, Matthew 12, 46. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, he was in a big room, he's in a big room, and his mom was at the door, and his brothers, and they're going to take Jesus home? (laughs) Yeah, right. While Jesus was talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. He replied to the person who said this, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Verse 49, pointing to his disciples, to his friends, ultimately committed to the kingdom of God, pointing to his disciples, verse 49, he said, Here are my mothers. Here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, is my brother. That is who my sister is. That is my mother. Ministry means people and relationships matter and relationships around the gospel are what we are made for in and through His church. I can say this with certainty. That the people in this church experiencing the most growth are the people who are connected to others in ministry. You can't search the internet for truth and grow as a Christian like you can grow actually being with people and learning how to love. Through being loved and through loving. It is doctrinal, yes, that's the first two and a half chapters of Colossians. Then it is about our lives, yes. And now we see it's about relationships around Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, uh, if you want to, to make a connection, because we can't program friendships, but we, we can create avenues where you can get with people. And we'll see what happens. we get you with, with some folks, you know, that love the Lord. But I tell you, the fast track to a relationship in this or any church is to commit to a ministry. Is to commit and say, I want to be a part of doing this ministry with you. I want to learn how you do it. I want us to do it together. I want us to rely on each other. That is the fast track to knowing somebody and making a connection with somebody. I want you to tuck that away. So let me ask you this question as we come to a close. If you were to write a letter right now, kind of like this letter to Colossians, but not near as profound. What are the names that you would put in your letter at the end of your ministry buddies through the years and your truest relationships around the gospel? I want you to think about the ministry friends you've had over the years and who became your dear friends as you loved one another and loved other people. You know, in college, as I told you, I learned about this, and and God has given me friends I still have to this day. I went to seminary, and there was a whole different kind of connection and learning. Twenty-two people in this church were good friends of mine in seminary, and I still love them to this day because we're all part of a singles ministry in town. It was all about the gospel, and then they all came out here and started Highlands once I was way gone. First Presbyterian Church of Augusta, I was a singles minister, still in touch with people that we shared this gospel, there's a real important name, Gina Smith, uh, that got added to my list uh, there in Augusta, now Gina Wheat. And then in Tuscaloosa, where we started a new church, hey look, y'all know some of you started Highlands, you start a new church, man, you got to band together, because you're just in anything if you don't, and you do get to know each other, that's that fast track to relationship, you know that happens we got a good long list in tuscaloosa with people had our babies there in tuscaloosa those are kind of significant people you have your babies with and and um and then colorado springs and those years in colorado for us were time of god's right hand and y'all wouldn't believe some of the leaders out there and and just the connection in ministry wonderful and then finally for me there's your names for the last seven years, it's your names. You matter. We've labored together. We have loved one another. And you are so dear. And the story of mine and Gina's life, and Sarah and Emily's too, includes your names. We haven't fun yet? Redeemed community. Folks, this is what it's about. Redeemed community reaching out at the intersection of life and culture. Look, us, we're just like Paul and these 11 people. Same Holy Spirit, same gospel, same Great Commission. How wonderful. Same need to belong and to contribute. And the church gives us opportunity to have all that and for our children to have it too. And people that will be sitting here with us next year, right now, that have never known the love of Jesus Christ. And they'll be some of our names this time next year, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Final greetings. It speaks to a great need and a great calling to have friends in ministry around the gospel through the church. And we need this word today more than ever, I believe. Ministry means people. And relationships matter. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would lift our eyes to see what you have for us, regardless of what millennia it is, what century it is, what year it is, what time it is. God, would you be pleased to truly make us in an insanely busy and, and distracted by so many wonderful things, Culture. Would you, would you, through the, the gospel and learning to love and a commitment to ministry, truly make us a redeemed community, reaching out? And would you, therefore, increase not only our purpose and our joy, but the sense of the love of Christ in and through our lives. We pray in His holy name. Amen.